Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the show, we're telling the tale of the very first vault hunter, Typhon de Leon. Was he one brilliant son of a jabber or just a lucky goofball schmuck? Let's discuss. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm your host, Connor. And I'm Caleb. And Caleb, we're here to discuss a, uh, I think it's safe to say, larger-than-life figure. Absolutely. I've been uh, playing a lot of Borderlands 3 since it came out, and this is actually our uh, first episode touching on Borderlands 3 as a topic. That's right, because it took me forever to beat it myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, took you so long to beat it. <laughs> That's true. I bugged you about it every day, and finally we dragged you to the finish line, kicking and screaming. But I'm glad I did, because uh, yeah, I got to know such you know colorful characters as the subject of today's episode, Typhon DeLeon. He, I, I, I think it's you know it's obvious that he influenced a lot of the adventures that many of the playable characters throughout the Borderland games had in their own respective titles. You can see how he really does kind of set up the universe in his stories and how he um, is kind of a, like, still a significant factor in the origin of the Borderlands universe as we know it. And I think his story is, like, a really interesting one and one that's uh, worth uh, deep diving into. Absolutely. As unique unique and as silly as it sometimes is. Because he started out in uh, arguably the... uh, the lowest position imaginable, where he was a uh, a Pandoran turd farmer. <laughs> it doesn't get much lower than that. The whole idea is that, like, this is before the vaults, before companies mined Pandora into the bone, before, like, any of that happened. He was a uh, farmer on Pandora. Caleb, I have a question. What exactly is a turd farmer? I've been wondering that for a while. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. So uh, he actually he actually talks a lot about, um, quote unquote, back then, turds and feces were seen as a reliable fuel source. <laughs> but yeah, and I imagine uh, that had to be doubly the case for skag turds, because skags uh, eat and poop out of the same hole. Oh, God, <laughs> that's quite an image. So, so very humble beginnings for this... Uh for this historical figure as as humble as beginnings can possibly get absolutely in a true uh, disney character fashion um his parents died when he was 16 um so he had buried them hopefully not in poop but he didn't actually specify what he buried them in um right. but uh he after his parents died he basically decided what am i doing with my life like i can't stay on pandora so he uh snuck onto an atlas it wasn't an Atlas ship. He snuck onto a, a merchant ship that was bound to Promethea. Um, and he wanted to try and find a new life there. So, you know, like the the rural farmer going to New York kind of deal. He uh, set off for the big city with uh, nothing but his dreams and maybe a uh, and maybe a penny in his pocket. 
and maybe a ham strapped to his back. Exactly. <laughs> but when he when he got to uh, Promethea, it, it wasn't what it was all cracked up to be, was it? Exactly. So that's the thing. He gets to the city and he just finds Promethea as a planet to just be like desperate and destitute. Talks about a uh, kind of these like rats, just kind of like gross insectoid monsters are they're what you eat they're what you sleep on with pillows they're like just everything and Um, to be clear ratches are half rat half roaches and those are what infest the entire planet basically right so not a pleasant place exactly and so he gets by by uh telling people the stories of his adventures on pandora so he'll talk about as even as a turd farmer the monsters he would get in a fight with the uh all the times that he uh, would find alien ruins and kind of uh, explore them and um, stumble across them. And so all the like different adventures and things that he almost died in. And this is even before, uh, like I said, this was before any of the vaults. And uh, But that's how he made his living for a while. Eventually, he uh, teamed up, though, with uh, a con man named Aslan de Vega, um, and he, um, who was looking for Iridian artifacts. Because uh, that's what, there were rumors that there was, like, Iridian stuff on Promethea. But, like, no one was sure. And a lot of people paid a lot of money if you could find some. Right. And so uh, Aslan was a con man who knew how to get equipment. Um, Typhon was originally from Pandora and knew how to find the ruins. He knew, like, he knew his way around Iridian stuff. So it was a uh, it was an effective matchup. They made a good team. But, unfortunately, that wasn't to last, it seems. Because, um... But this really was the catalyst kicking off Typhon's uh, vault hunting career, I suppose. This led to him, uh, there was an incident he was double-crossed by Aslan. He fell to the bottom of a pit somewhere on Promethea, uh, which you can actually visit in the game. You mentioned this earlier, Cable. I think that was a really cool, uh, really cool detail. But the pit that Typhon fell into happened to contain the Promethea vault. So uh, one thing we'll get into later, kind of a... A main theme here, whether or not Typhon was brilliant or just lucky, he literally stumbled across his first vault, and that kind of kickstarted his entire vault hunting career in a, in a lot of ways. That's going to be a uh, big part of what we discuss later is mm-hmm. the extent the extent to which we think luck was involved in that situation. But one way or another, um, whether through luck or through resourcefulness, he found the first vault. Um, the key was literally right there. He could have just opened it, but he's like, screw this. I'm not going to figure out what this is. He just grabbed the key and he uh, brought it to Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sold the uh, information, kind of the location of the vault to the dominant corporation on the planet at the time and made his first fortune, basically. That was that was probably the first time in his life he made the big money, made the big bucks. So that was his first big break. So, like, there it is, Atlas, the people who were in charge of Promethea, um, after, like, struggling throughout the uh, previous corporate wars, used the uh, the vault and the technology inside it, and they made the lives of everyone on Promethea better. I'm just, I, I'm kidding, they didn't. <laughs> to be clear, they did not make the lives of anyone on Promethea better. It sure would have been nice if that had happened, huh? They uh, quadrupled the size of their army. They built the Crimson Lance. They just rebuilt everything they did, and it just gave it gave into their own corporate greed. And Typhon, who I think was kind of low key hoping that his discovery was gonna mean, you know, hope for the struggling people who had to sleep on and eat ratches. 
got sick of this. He decided, like, he got out of Pandora. He's going to get the hell out of Dodge on Promethea. Right. And I think this uh, sort of started him down a path that we see with his character, where over the years, after making his discoveries and uh, gaining some fortune and fame and, you know, raising his profile, he grows gradually more and more disillusioned and disappointed with the mega corporations of the borderlands constantly making war on each other and with the discovery of the vaults kind of accelerating the arms race among all of them he's over it pretty quickly he really grows tired of it very fast his entire just worldview just becomes increasingly increasingly anti-corporate and you see more and more of that as his life goes on because like and then like things go on he starts getting other adventures he starts making enemies he gets a he gets a call from someone who claims that they found Iridian ruins on a Skywell asteroid. He goes there and he finds out that it's a uh, his old partner Aslan trying to get revenge because he claims a uh, he deserves a cut of finding the vault, even though he's the one who abandoned Typhon there. So after the business on Promethea between Typhon and Aslan, Typhon really embarks on really a career that's the stuff of legends. He becomes almost a mythical Paul Bunyan-esque figure where people tell stories about him. People know who he is. He becomes a rock star, really. One of the main characters in Borderlands 3, Dr. Tannis, is like a fanboy. She's obsessed with him. And because it's because he had so many crazy escapades all over the galaxy, whether it was you know, finding vaults here and there, romancing the Queen of the Sirens on Athenus. I mean, that's just wild stuff. I mean, who does that? So it's he he eventually becomes a figure of myth and you know corporations start seeking him out. The 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 leadership of some of the biggest entities in the galaxy are like, "Hey, we got to hire this guy and get him to work for us. He's he's hot. He's a hot commodity at that point." Yeah, so the he goes eventually like when he's um living on Athenus, um he ends up a uh, trying to get the hell out of Dodge, because after he's there for a while, the Order of the Impending Storm, which uh, is actually the order that forced people to uh, worship Maya to exploit them, and, like, threatened people with Maya, for those who kind of followed her. Oh, nice connection. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who are kind of familiar with uh, Maya from Borderlands 2, the faction that kind of uh, built and controlled her for a while before she rebelled... Um, was the organization that took over right around the time that he decided he wanted to get the F out of Dodge. And he landed on Eden 6 eventually, right? He was His expertise was requested there at some point. Exactly. So the head of the Jacobs Corporation, Monty Jacobs, wanted to uh, see if there were any vaults on his planet, and so he hired him and was just like, hey, come vault hunting for me. But the thing is, he actually ended up befriending that whole family. Like, uh, He's the person who convinced Wainwright to start taking up shotguns. And so he, like, stayed there, and he just befriended that family, and he was just kind of a part of their family for a while. After he had been staying for a while and kind of looking for Iridian Ruins, he basically searched every possible nook and cranny of that planet. And that's around the time that he realized there was really only one place he hadn't looked, that it was actually, like, at their manor. That's when uh, he found out Monty was intentionally trying to make sure that if there was a vault on Eden 6 or... Since there is a vault on Eden 6, rather, that it never gets found to the point that he threatens Typhon when uh, Typhon kind of put two and two together. And so I don't get the impression Typhon really holds that against the Jacobs, though, because I think he's of very much the same mindset. It's 
he's very anti-corporate. He this is the result when a vault is found on this planet and what happens to the people on it. Right. That plays back into the anti-corporate mindset he adopted uh, that we got into earlier. And yeah, he didn't want to repeat the same mistake that he made on Promethea on Eden six, just with the career he had and the accomplishments he made, he he, uh, came to realize he, he gained the wisdom that sometimes things are, some things are better left undiscovered. Exactly. And so like, that's, that's what his story is. This is constantly evolving perspective of this isn't what I thought it was. I need to get out of here. He thought Promethea was going to be the next big thing. He got the hell out of Dodge on Pandora, went there. Then he realized what Promethea was, decided I need to get the hell out of here, went to Athena's, needed to get the hell out of there. So he went to Eden six, needed to get the hell out of there. So it goes back to Pandora and he just kind of accepts his life on Pandora. He goes back to turd farming. Up until he meets the love of his life, his wife, Lita, and they embark on their greatest adventure yet and to, to find the Iridian homeworld. Um, so him and, him and Lita eventually uh, found evidence of where the homeworld of uh, Necrotefeo was. And so they disappeared together. They weren't, they weren't heard from for years. And I think that was the, uh, the ultimate result of his anti-corporate mindset is... He finds the planet of Necrotefeo, and in the ultimate act of everything he had gone leading up to, he that's the one place he finally doesn't leave. Exactly. Is an abandoned planet that he's on with his family. It's the ultimate escape. It's the ultimate way to get away from all of the corporate warfare, all of the vault-driven arms race, you know, politics and stuff going on. He finally found what was important to him, and that's when his story sort of had its conclusion, or at least one conclusion. And that's when he truly faded into myth, because when he disappeared, obviously the theories abounded. There were theories all over, like, what happened to him? Where'd he go? Why is he dead? You know, And that I think that lent a lot of weight to the tall stories that were already forming around him because he wasn't around to dispute them. So he he became a, a figure of myth at that point. Well, uh, <laughs> looks like uh, Connor fell into a pit. Um, I'm going to go uh, see if there's any vaults down there, and uh, we'll be right back. Commander, I apologize for the interruption. You have an important incoming transmission. Lower party hosts Abu Zafar and Leah Wiggins would like to let you know that they're jumping through the Omega-4 Relay and returning to the world of Mass Effect. They're hoping you'll join them on the Normandy and be a part of the crew. Just look for the Mass Effect episodes in the main Lore Party feed. End of transmission. Returning you to your episode. That brings us to sort of our big question here, was, uh, you know, looking back on this career that he had, looking back on his life story that we've discussed here, I think the big question we have to grapple with is was Typhon de Leon a genius adventurer who earned all of his accomplishments or was he just so insanely lucky that he was always in the right place at the right time to influence history in these ways one or the other is it a bit a bit of both I, I think that's kind of the thing we have to we have to address at this point here's what I felt thinking about this issue after I had sort of played through Borderlands 3 and gotten the full perspective where you go through and hear his audio logs, hear his story, 
And then later in the game, spoiler alert, you meet Typhon de Leon in the flesh and sort of interact with him, get a better sense of who he is as a character. Having taken all that into consideration, my perspective is that it's a bit of both. It's kind of nuanced for me. He undeniably was a very lucky person. Things, Big things seemed to happen to him. He had a lot of lucky breaks. Falling into that pit, finding the first vault, that's kind of happenstance. That, that's something that just that he just, you know, was lucky enough for that to happen to him. Aslan de Vega shooting down his ship and he survived him surviving. That's, that's luck that, you know, people just seeming to gravitate toward him. He, he just had a charisma about him. He had a certain charm that you can't train. You can't learn that kind of thing. But at the same time, he also had a certain attitude and persistence, a drive that, allowed him to capitalize on all the coincidences that benefited him. All the things that happened to him along the way, you know, maybe they were luck, but they also gave him an incentive to learn, to increase his knowledge, become a more wise, well-rounded person, and just make the most out of all of the luck that he had. At the end of Borderlands 3, he, you know, you've, you've heard some stories by then, you've heard of Typhon de Leon, legendary first first vault hunter. You've heard the stories, but then you meet him in person, and he's uh, the stories maybe paint a different picture. And when you meet him, he's just he's kind of an old man who's you know full of interesting stories, and he's a wisecracker, and he's he's wily, but he's maybe not what you expect from the first vault hunter who you know killed guardian beasts and found vaults and all that. But at the at the end of the day, he still winds up being a huge help to the main characters, and he brought a lot to the table. So he's not just lucky. There's a lot to him, but luck gave him a significant hand along the way, I would have to say. And I think like an interesting aspect of your point that I think uh, there is a point that uh, after you first meet him, one of the first things he says to you is, I'll bet when you saw me, you said to yourself, that's the first Vault Hunter? This guy, ha! People have been underestimating me my whole life. But like I always say, heroes come in all shapes and sizes. And that is a thing that he says in a lot of his logs. That's true. And yeah, I, I, I want to put it, put this delicately, but you have a good point that, you know, when you meet him in character, he basi- he's basically Danny DeVito. He's Danny DeVito in space. Like <laughs> that. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like you expect someone huge and tall and strapping and, you know, but... He's maybe not the prototypical swashbuckling hero you might expect, but but like I think that's I think that's his whole point, and I think that's his entire goal, and I think that is how how he spent his entire life succeeding. I think he intentionally has a tendency to exaggerate and um, overattribute the uh, influence of his luck in order to keep himself underestimated, and I think that's also. I think that's also like you can see that a little bit in his speech because you also see a little bit when he uh, does get a little bit more serious later in the game. Mm. Um, you see he his accent becomes a little bit more mild and he doesn't use quite the same like uh, he he doesn't use the same like exaggerated comedic tone of speech. I think he intentionally milks his milks his outgoing personality and his height and his appearance and the role that luck played in his life to kind of make people think that he's a joke that he's undeserving of his celebrity and not to be taken seriously and in that underestimation 
looks to find his uh, kind of success in that and looks to avoid suspicious eyes. Because the, th- the thing is, like, almost all of the major accomplishments, even the ones that are largely attributed to luck, were the result of a skill or decision that he had or something that he discovered through his own deductive knowledge. Like, the reason he survived on Promethea was because he was a good storyteller. Like, it was a skill he had that was unique and developed. And then he found the vault because he was familiar with Iridian ruins from his experiences on Pandora. Like, he stumbled across it as, like... Literally what he makes it try and sound like. But at the same time, he was looking for Iridian Ruins. He stumbled into it because he knew where to stumble. Like, and if you listen to his log, he just kind of brushes over that. He's just like, yeah, I knew where to look for them. And then he just doesn't say anything else about that. Like, it makes it sound like it was a surprise when he found what he knew where to look for it. That's the question. Is his is his story larger than he is, or is he larger than his story is? Like, and that's the thing. Is he deserving of this larger than life celebrity status that he's been given? And I I think that he pretends not to be. He's someone who's experienced almost every corner of the Borderlands universe, becoming increasingly aware of how to succeed and how to lose in it. And he uses that knowledge to get what was to him the ultimate prize. And he found the Iridian homeworld before most of the world even found a second vault. And that is, I think, like, when he finally escaped his celebrity, he accomplished his ultimate goal, and no one found out about it, was his ultimate prize. He did exactly what he set out to do. He didn't get blown up as larger than life as a result of it. He got to spend time with his family, finding exactly what he was looking for. And the fact that he found the ultimate prize for corporations and didn't tell them was the ultimate middle finger to them. Necro de Feo was his prize. Having talked about this, my understanding of his legacy, uh, you know, is definitely has definitely involved. I think people who paint Typhon de Leo as just some guy who stumbled into his fortune and fame and doesn't, like you said, doesn't deserve the attention that he got, doesn't deserve the accolades and his story is larger than he is. I think people who paint him that way, uh, I think that's what Typhon wants. Like you said, when you underestimate him, you're playing into his hands. You're letting him create the advantage for himself that he's after. Because, uh, you know, it's a skill to get people to underestimate you. It's a skill to instill a uh, a feeling in them that you don't know what you're doing when you actually do. And um, that's actually a really valuable skill that can serve um, serve an adventurer. It can serve anybody who wants to make their mark on the uh, on the galaxy. And in the end, he really did get what he wanted. Uh, it kind of took him a while to get there, and he had several amazing, memorable escapades along the way, and left us so many amazing stories. But um, yeah. At the end of it all, looking at what he accomplished, I have to say, no, he knew what he was doing. It just sort of, uh, you know, had to take the long, had to take the scenic route <laughs> to accomplish what he truly wanted to accomplish. But I like that he took the he took the scenic route. Yeah. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.